Delve into the shadows of the mind with Sleeping Dogs, a gripping murder mystery starring Academy Award winner Russell Crowe. Now available on digital. Crowe portrays an ex-homicide detective unraveling a brutal murder he can't recall. Uncovering secrets from his past, he learns a chilling truth. It's best to let sleeping dogs lie. Visit sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery to watch Sleeping Dogs, now on digital. That's sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery. CarMax is putting peace of mind back in car shopping by putting you in the driver's seat to find a ride that's right for you. Because at CarMax, we believe you shouldn't just settle for a car. You should love your car. That's why every car we sell is CarMax certified quality so you can be sure with upfront pricing that's the same for every customer. So don't settle. Find love at first drive and start shopping now at CarMax.com. CarMax, the way car buying should be. Time now for the College Football Inquirer with Dan Wetzel. You're cursed. It's over. You got a little bit of taste today. I don't think it's because Georgia has 37 future first-round picks. I don't think that's it. I think this is a one-possession game if it's the Cock Commanders. SI's Ross Gellinger. His facial expression was like, you got to be kidding me. Come on time. Come on time. He just seemed, he, yes, he was begging for the triple zeros. And SI's Pat Forty. I am wearing an Eastern Kentucky uh, University shirt for a reason for this podcast. Because the EKU Colonels beat Bowling Green, who beat Marshall, who beat Notre Dame, which means EKU needs to be talking to NBC about their own deal right now. Here's Pat, Russ, and Dan. All right, welcome to the pod. Three weeks in, another one got, got. Pour one out for Herm Edwards at Arizona State. Lost Saturday 30-21 to to Eastern Michigan. Somehow that was enough to do it. <laughs> that that that's a pretty good capper right there. Pretty much dominated at home by a MAC team after other undistinguished performances and off the field issues. Yeah, five seasons. Uh, if you count this one, twenty six and twenty. Did make three bowl appearances. Whatever that's worth. All sorts of issues of NCA violation allegations. Recruiting during COVID. Hmm. I think they got crushed. That record would be worse if it wasn't for all the games that got postponed because of COVID protocol losses, right? They were always yeah, yeah. guys yeah, suspended. Think, yeah, they only played four games the uh, the 2020 year. <laughs> yeah, then we later found out kind of why. Uh, I mean, look, it was a weird hire to begin with. Uh, Herm Edwards is really good on TV, had a distinguished run in, as an NFL coach, you know, had some good seasons, particularly with the Jets, but nothing overwhelming, a uh, really good motivational guy, character guy kind of stuff, but um, hadn't coached anything in a decade. And you just pull him out of ESPN and say, here, have a Pac-12 job. Let's see how you do, uh, particularly one that doesn't need. It needs a. It needs someone who can come in and modernize and and come up with a recruiting philosophy that will work, not like, hey, we need a guy who's good motivational talker, mm. who might have some decade old NFL credentials. 
So didn't see this one ever working, and it didn't. Pat, what do you think? No, it didn't. I mean, that was at uh, Ray Anderson. See, it was an unconventional AD hire, and he made an unconventional coach hire of somebody who I think used to be one of his clients, right, when Ray was an agent. Mm. Uh, yeah, I think so. so. It was a buddy hire. Some people, I think, in college athletics have always thought that Ray Anderson was maybe always trying too hard to be the smartest guy in the room. And, yeah, this hire, he, Ray uh, Herm Edwards' record was worse than Todd Graham's, and he leaves the program under a cloud of a major investigation. Uh, uh, you, Dan, you were talking about the recruiting philosophy. I think the recruiting philosophy was uh, improper, unofficial visits that we end up paying for under the table during COVID during a dead period. So how's that for a recruiting philosophy? Probably not a very good one. And then, yeah, I mean, like tons of transfers out after last season, major staff changes. Uh, they came into this year with one hand tied behind their back and played like it. They beat Northern Arizona in the opener. Then they lose to Oklahoma State, and then you lose to Eastern Michigan. And this is probably another one that should have been done last December instead of waiting, getting into this year and fouling it all up. Well, yeah, especially with the investigation, you know, I think a lot of people around the country figure that that was going to be the undoing uh, over the offseason was uh, the investigation that Herm was going to be out. And then there was a sense when he wasn't fired after last year or, or during the offseason because of the, the of the NCA stuff, there was a sense that Herm would retire during the year or after the season. Uh, it, it seemed like people... We're expecting him to retire. That's all I kind of heard. So obviously with the start to the year, uh, it seemed like Ray Anderson, uh, which a lot of people didn't think, think that Ray, because of his close relationship with Herm, would pull the plug. But obviously, uh, you know, the the fact that they started like they have. And then the school president, Crow, the president Crow, I think said something to the local uh local outlet there uh after the immediately after the game uh no cooling off period uh crow <laughs> likes to crow and uh he said something to the effect of yeah i don't have faith and we'll have to reevaluate i don't have faith in the coach we'll have to reevaluate and lo and behold uh here we are i did see a clip it's really interesting i did uh, somebody tweeted out a clip of herm and Ray Anderson and the president all talking right after the game. Herm is walking into the locker room uh, right after the game. And you could tell it's just like a weird conversation. Body language is odd. I'm sure that he wasn't told then that he's fired, but uh, it was odd. Uh, it was just the whole thing. It's kind of uh, fascinating to watch that video clip. It's like 10 seconds long, but uh, yep. So I, I, I mean, I'm sure we're going to talk about this, but gosh, that seems like a pretty good job. Uh, you're in a big, Phoenix metro area, right? Uh, you've got, it's a big party school. Um, everybody seems to have lots of fun. The weather's amazing. Uh, you've got access to Southern California. I mean, you're in a terrible division. I mean, I, I it, it seems like a great job, but maybe it's just me. I, I, I think everybody agrees it's like a sleeping giant, right? Like, yeah. yeah. It, anyone ever been there and said, oh, this will never work? <laughs> no. Continues to get better and better players locally. Hmm. Uh, I mean, I'm just looking here. There are, you know, the state of Arizona's got, I mean, they got a five-star. They've got, there's uh, 11 players in the top 500 nationally. None of them going to Arizona State. Mm. Mm -hmm. You know, SC's probably getting the top kid 
Deuce Robinson, but then, you know, Oregon's got a couple, BYU, Notre Dame, SC again, Baylor, Oregon, Wisconsin. You go further down, I mean, these, these are even just farther. Stanford, two, two Northwesterns, and Oklahoma State, Arizona gets a kid here, Boise, I mean... Yeah, it's not not a factor local no. recruiting, but there are players. It's fantastic campus, ton of fun, tons of money around there. Cool stadium, right? Yeah, cool. No, I, I, mean, I don't know. Close to LA. To, yeah, there's a lot to sell, no doubt about it. But that was the thing. Yeah, they, they, I mean, like the, the recruiting had just absolutely cratered because I think everybody knew Herm was was on his way out. And so they couldn't sign anybody or come get anybody to commit in the last year. Their, their class they had coming in was tiny, uh, you know, for this season. So, mm-hmm. again, like all the signs were pointing toward this for sure. And, yeah, Ross, to your point, that, that video I think was pretty striking because, you know, we've all seen that where the AD and sometimes the president's down on the field after a game, and that's just going to be – Quick handshake, hey, pat him on the back. You know, we're with you. Good luck. And that was not yeah. that scene. You know, mm-hmm. that was let's stop and talk for a minute or so here. And the body language is like, okay. And yeah, you could almost see like Ray Anderson saying, yeah, uh, Doctor Crow would like to have a meeting tomorrow. Yeah, and it's like, okay, we know what's going on here. Yeah, yeah it did seem like that, and it was kind of like you got the vibe of a uh, of Crow in Ray Anderson. You know, again, I, I not want to put words in their mouth, but just the body language and you got the feeling they kind of said, what the hell happened? And Herm just kind of went, I don't know. You know, it was it was really interesting to kind of watch that back and forth. Um, so um, that's probably not a good a good answer from Herm if, if he did say that. But uh, yeah, that was that was interesting. And I, um, yeah, I wonder, you know, who they turn to. They should have a really good pool of candidates, I would think. Who, who what do you think works? Mm. You could, if, other than the... Uh, prohibitive uh urban buyer decides that he wants to re- you know uh who who should they get well I, I i think you you nailed it about like that was just a weird experience experiment with herm older guy who hadn't coached in a while you know more of the like um motivational kind of guy and then you guys remember they they went with all the uh all the weird name, titles to all the coordinators and people in the athletic oh, department yeah. and all that stuff. It, it was just very well, odd. It was just a really odd experiment. Experiment. I, I mean, I just it, that place strikes me as some some somewhere where you you need like young and energy and and all that stuff. I mean, it just seems like a program that needs that. And you kind of got that just south of there, right? With Jed Fish, like he came in and he's. You know, he's rah, 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 and he's young and, and all this stuff, and he's ready to roll. And he, you know, and it just, I wonder, you wonder if they're going to go, if go that direction. I don't know, but it, it, it seems like the pool of candidates would be uh, quite, quite large and interesting. Who you want, Pat? Yeah, um, I don't know. Cause, uh, it's a good question. I don't think there's anybody you just say that's a natural layup for that. Thinking of it this way, like the, one of the first names that came to mind to me, because I think he just will is a very good recruiter, but also his, his, his coaching has, has been good as Kalani Sataki from, uh, from BYU. But here's mm. the thing now, BYU's going to the big 12. So I, you know, do you have to go do that? So if you're just thinking about positioning of the schools and everything, here's another guy, but in that league, who is at one of the bottom two spots in that league? And people say, if the PAC 12 
you know, th things shake up, they're the two losers. Is Oregon State, Washington State. Jonathan mm. Smith at Oregon State, who's done a very good job there, is an offensive guy. If he looks and says, you know, I like coaching out west, but Arizona State's going to be a more solid footing than Oregon State long term, I would wonder if he might uh, have some interest there. But, mm. you know, I, here's the other, the big question. Does Ray Anderson get to make this hire? Is Ray Anderson still yeah. the AD? And if he is, does he try to outsmart the room again? We go, yeah. who knows what direction? It didn't seem like he, that he, I don't know if you saw his quotes from his press conference, Ray Anderson, but he, he, he made it sound like they haven't determined who will make the hire. Uh, mm. He was asked about it and he kind of, he talked around it, but he, but he said something like, you know, we haven't, we haven't determined whether we're going to hire a, a coaching, a coaching search firm kind of thing. And, we're, we're not sure exactly how it's going to work. So I, I don't know. It, it's weird because they kind of knew this should have been coming. If anything, you would think they would have been prepared for Herm to at least step down or retire or something. So, yeah, he, he kind of talked around that. But that's a, that's an interesting point. You know, there's a lot of schools this cycle where you're going to have the double. Or you're going to have AD and coach both go out. I mean, we, we've already seen it with Auburn. Or we probably will see it with Auburn with the latter half falling you know, a lot of people have their eyes on places like Georgia Tech as well. And this was another one, Arizona State. So you wonder if this is going to be a two-parter here with Ray also going uh, and, and wonder how influential he is in the search. So we'll see. Usually, usually as you guys know, right, usually the AD goes first. If you're going to do the two-parter, the AD goes first and you so you can control the hire, you being the, the president or somebody else at the school or maybe a new AD. So that, that, hasn't, that obviously didn't happen here. Then you lose to Eastern Michigan, and they go, well, we just can't. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> right. I mean, look, one of the guys you're just basically alluding to, Brian Harson at Auburn. Yeah. Uh, and we'll get to that game in a little bit. He obviously mm -hmm. could be fired. Everyone assumes he'll be mm -hmm. fired. He was good at Boise State, and he recruited yeah. Arizona. Do you just take a mulligan on that and say, hey, look, we'll take him, or does that have too much, you know, too much of a, there's no momentum to him? You know, who wants it? You know, it, it's, I don't know. It's the, the job's a gold mine. The name I like that I will throw out is Deion Sanders. Mm -hmm. I think Deion Sanders in a city like Phoenix yep. is pretty, I think Deion Sanders would be very good anywhere, but I, I don't see him at a place where, I don't know, certain schools with too much boosters and too much, too small of a town and too, you know, but man, you put him there. Mm. And I don't, you know, he says he doesn't want to leave HBCUs and Jackson State and all that. That's fine, but he could also bring about six starters with him yep. in the transfer portal if he wanted sure. to do it. I just yeah. think a guy like Deion Sanders in a in a major metro like era like Phoenix would be a game changer for the recruiting. Yeah, and that's you got to get something to make people go, oh yeah, that this is hot now. Because once it gets going, I don't know how it doesn't stay that way. Right. Yeah. No, he'd be, I mean, he'd be one of, if I were like their search firm or whatever, I'd want to take a long look at him because make him say no, or, you know, call yeah. him. I don't know whether yeah. he'd do it. What do you think, Ross? Did he take that job? I would think so. I, you know, he interviewed for, and I guess, you know, him interviewing for jobs doesn't mean he would take them, but it's right. certainly a, a good sign. And he talked to, obviously he talked to Florida State a couple of years ago. He talked to Arkansas a couple of years ago. Last year, he talked to TCU. I believe he talked to Colorado State. And he, he, you know, 
he blew a lot of these athletic directors away with his plan and organization and the interview in general. Um, if he's willing to interview for those jobs, I mean, this job I think is better than most or not all of those. Uh, I would think that he would be interested in that. That's a really, that's a good one. That That's a good one. That's a young, exciting, you're in this metro area, you know, the big city kind of feel to it. You know, I think of Dion more of like, you know, I guess more East Coast, like Atlanta-ish or whatever. But um, I mean, he's which, big in Dallas. You know, he's big in yeah, Europe. yeah. I mean, I mean that's that's true. So uh, no, that that's a really that's a really interesting one. You wonder, you know, you mentioned the Urban Meyer stuff, but you wonder other coaches, you know, specifically one from the Urban Meyer tree, and you wonder if he'll ever get a shot again. He's on TV now. Is is Tom Herman? You know, you wonder if if he'll ever get a shot again, and is that suit? Mm him you would think that uh he'd have to take a maybe a lower level job before somebody to that level gives him another crack you would think um but that's an interesting name too herman's yeah. such a like organizational guy like i just i just think you have to mm. you have to have someone who comes in and, and and assesses the problem it's like we should we should have great talent here mm. and i think he he could do a pretty good job on that even though he wasn't the head coach but i don't know yeah i i mean i I do like the uh, the Dion thought, and I do wonder. I mean, if Ray Anderson is still the guy, and this would that would certainly be another kind of outside the the normal realm, so to speak, of where you would go for a coach. And again, that might appeal to to Ray Anderson. But uh, no, it's, it's it, we'll see what other competition there is out there. If it, like if Dion were waiting for Florida State, there's increasing evidence that Florida State may not open. Seminoles are three and zero, oh, and mm. you know a couple of good yeah. wins, and so Mike Norvell could well keep his job there. If Auburn opens, I think they'd be foolish not to talk to Dion. But then ASU, why not? Yep. Yeah, I mean they've had Herm Edwards. They they tried that. That didn't work. They tried Todd Graham. That didn't work. I mean it kind of worked, but not really. Not enough. Dennis Erickson. That didn't work. Dirk Cotter, that didn't work. Bruce Snyder was their best coach, probably, right? Other yeah, the best coach. Going in, uh, yeah, post-Frank Cush. Yeah. Frank Cush, that was a long time ago. That was 50 years ago. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, you look at these records, it's like, how does a place like that, you know, in a yeah. division, in a, in a conference like that, I mean, just look at these records, you know, as far as finishes in the division, third, fourth, third, second, second, fourth, fourth, second, and they won the division in 2013. And they won the conference in 2007 with Dennis Erickson. Those are the only two championship teams since 1996. That's amazing. Yeah, they just kind of rolled along. They, they were kind of like, they've been like a little like UCLA. Above mm. average, win more than they lose, yeah. but they don't ever hit the high notes. John Cooper coached there before heading to Ohio He did. State. He yeah. did. He had some good that. years. I saw a John Cooper Arizona State team in the Rose Bowl in 1987. Mm. Yeah, They won it. They want it. Yeah. Well, yeah. Look, it can be done. I just think you you put you put Coach Prime in Phoenix. You put Coach Prime there, and he's he's creating all the attention, and it's it's a cool place, and he's a cool guy, and it's gonna be a cool program. It's gonna be a modern program. Mm -hmm. It's gonna be a players' yeah. program. But as we have seen at Jackson State, they win. They're three and zero. I mean, you know, he's he he's he's winning games, and it's very organized. I. I just think that would be a. They've tried everything else, uh, and put it that way. Like if you're sitting there saying, "Well, let's like you say we have 
if we get Deion Sanders, like everyone's going to go crazy, and not just for the press conference, but like the, like he's shown he's more than a press conference. Oh yeah, yeah that's the thing that there, Deion has put some some stake behind the sizzle. Yeah, you know. So he, you said he's winning games and re- he did get the number one recruit in the country last year. <laughs> yeah, he did. <laughs> he did. All right. Well, before we get to the other games, let's talk while we're on the coaching search. Much made of Urban Meyer being in Lincoln, Nebraska this weekend. <laughs> he's there for Fox Fox broadcast of the uh, Oklahoma curb stomping of Nebraska. But is there? It, 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 put it this way, Pat. Is there? To, should should our fair Cornhuskers? Do they have a prayer here? Do they have a chance? No, I they I don't think they're getting Urban Meyer. I don't think Urban Meyer wants them. I read they met and it was going great. That's what I saw on the internet. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. yeah, right. There, yeah, there's plenty of speculation out there of that, but no, I, I don't think that's happening. Uh, and I just, I mean, if you're Nebraska, look, you've got to be sure. First of all, I mean, do you want to take on the whole Urban Meyer circus? Everything that goes with it. He will inevitably win there. How long would it take? Is he is he up t- for a long-term rebuild? Because Urban, as you know, doesn't tend to take fixer-upper jobs. He tends to take good jobs. And then just everything that goes along with having him. Because it's gonna there's going to be daily melodrama, and it's going to probably end acrimoniously, or at least not on happy terms for everybody. They're so desperate they will take that right now. I'm sure they would. I, I, I wrote about this in the 40-yard dash on a night when uh, Bobby Petrino damn near won at Arkansas and Hugh Freeze damn near knocked off Wake Forest. We also had Urban Meyer being chanted at and serenaded by Nebraska fans. So what does that tell you? <laughs> just just win. There's always room for you. Mm-hmm. All right. Uh, yeah, we'll, we'll we'll see. I don't I don't see that one for uh, for Nebraska, but uh, I'm sure something good is coming. Something good is coming. All right, couple of the games. So, yeah, let me let me start with this. You mentioned the slow rebuild, the long rebuild. Now we have some small sample size here. Now we love to overreact to small samples. This is we literally have something called the small sample Heisman, and this is podcast is called the Overreaction Monday podcast. So this is right up our alley. But is the transfer portal with our limited amount of time on this just open open season transfer portal, does it make is it the reason that there are rebuilds like overnight, a la what Washington's doing, or Kansas almost is doing, or and is it why they're outside of the absolute elite of the elite? They're just and I don't even know if this is true, but it just feels like there's a, a little more parity in the muddled middle. And the Sun Belt can have big weeks, and then it can have not big weeks, and this can happen, and there's more close games. And I don't know if there are more, or it just feels that way. But it just feels like there's all sorts of chaos going on this year. Obviously not at, at, the, at the, the Georgia level. But this feels a little more even, and and you have these things like all of a sudden the Washington Huskies being good right away. Why? Well, one of the reasons because they have Michael Penix Jr. or or how LSU's got Jaden Daniels, and all of a sudden, yeah, they're starting to look okay. And some because of the transfers, not only those guys, but at these lower levels, the Marshalls and the App States and stuff, they're getting guys that 
aren't going to make headlines because they're dropping down from bigger programs, mm-hmm. but they fill out these rosters and all of a sudden they're good. Is there anything to this that perhaps we are seeing the start of a measure more of parity in the middle of the sport that we didn't maybe have before because of this transfer portal? Yeah, I, I uh, it's a good point. Uh, when the transfer portal and the one-time transfer exception where you can play immediately um, after transferring at least one time during your career. When that was announced, you know, it, it's kind of like everybody rushed, everybody from the lower level or mid-tier level of college kind of rushed to to say, oh man, the big boys are going to come stealing our best players. And, you know, the gap is going to widen even more with the top of college sports. But there's something else, there's a different part of this that maybe we're seeing. And that is, the best players at the top of the power five or even mid-tier power five, some of some of their back some of the backup type players or the players who don't either play enough or for whatever reason they're not happy there. Um, the competition's too much for them, whatever, are leaving for opportunities below. And I think maybe we're seeing that at the the top of the group of five in the bottom, even mid-tier, the power five almost do feel like they're starting to mesh. You know, it, it, there doesn't seem to be as much separation maybe between them. And we, we're seeing that on the field. I mean, we've, I don't know what the, like the data is like, but um, you know, I, 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 I we're three with, weeks in, so it's hard to know. Yeah. But. Yeah. But like three weeks in, if you compare, if you go back and I might have to do this, cause I think I did it a couple of years ago is, you know, the group of five versus power five wins. I mean, we certainly had a ton of them, and and if they they weren't wins, I mean the games uh, the games were really close, and and we are we're seeing specifically at the quarterback position, like you mentioned, like specifically at the quarterback position, there are maybe what 25, 30, maybe forty quarterbacks pl- starting right now for a team, a uh, group of five or power five, who would probably be riding the bench somewhere else if. And they'd be a backup somewhere. Their talent, in a way, would be wasted. And now we're seeing them play. And so I think the quarterback position in general with the transfer movement is huge, uh, is, is really big, you know, for all this. Yeah, oh, I, I, I think so. And, I, yeah, I like the theory that, that the top's always, maybe not always, but has a great chance of, of being the top for a long time. And the bottom is probably going to be the bottom. But in between there... You get the right guy going to the right place at the right time or a few of them, and things can absolutely uh, improve your fortunes. I mean, I, you know, Washington, I think Washington had good players. I think they were poorly coached and in disarray, uh, and then they brought in a good coach in Kalen DeBoer, and he had a relationship with Michael Penix going back to Indiana, and you bring in Penix, and all of a sudden Penix looks like he did in 2020 and is playing great. And, uh, you know, I think that you just, you get that sort of thing where, okay, here's our, here's our quick fix. That's the one thing we need or the two or the three things we need. I saw Florida state play Friday night. Their six foot seven receiver who was from Arizona state who Arizona state sure would like to have, but he just absolutely destroyed Louisville, big, deep target. You know I mean? Just, he killed him. Uh, you get one or two guys in key spots to go along with you. If you've already got a pretty decent roster and you don't lose too many in the portal, that can be a, a very much a game changer. And I do wonder if we will have some kind of increased level of flow back and forth, maybe between, you know, the, the 10th place team in the big 10 and the 
fourth place team in the Big Ten, uh, and so on in other conferences as well. I, I mean, like I, I, I'm assuming this is true because it makes sense, but I just don't know. But you know, and I've always thought, well, once you're allowed to transfer, that's actually good for the competitive balance. Now, part of it is every time they whine that this is horrible for the sport, it generally turns out to not be at all. <laughs> so now every time they whine about something being horrible for the sport, I just assume they're wrong. <laughs> but I don't know. It's like there's a lot of good player and it's not like Jaden Daniels isn't stuck in this like garbage Arizona State, you know, circus yeah. out there, right? Right. right. Yep. You go to LSU and beat Mississippi State and and give Brian Kelly something in year one. I mean, what Washington did to Michigan State on Friday night is like illegal in like 16 states. I mean, that was a, <laughs> yeah, that was a beatdown. 39-28. It wasn't even close. They just they no. just ran up and down the field on them. What was the stat? I had a John Neo of the Detroit News column. He had a bunch. And at one point, the yardage was like 197 to 16. Mm. You know, I mean, it was an absolute bludgeoning. And then, yeah, they, I mean, Michigan State scored a couple times late to make it look like it was close. It was never close. 11 pass plays of 15 yards or more, a half dozen of 20 or more. Washington averaged 16 and a half yards per completion, Oof. 10 yards per attempt. As John Neo wow. writes, those are the kinds of numbers that get you beat by good teams 10 times out of 10. Yeah. yeah. 397 yards, four TDs without an interception or a sack for Michael Penix. Yeah. Now, Michigan State has been terrible against the pass, and they were t they were last in the country last year. Yeah, and they, they, they looked a lot like that team. Yeah. But um, I don't know. It just seems like there's just wildness going on for three weeks. And we'll probably end up with the same four teams we always expected at the playoff, but at least the rest of the thing's kind of interesting. Sure. Yeah. And that's the thing, yeah. I mean, you, you know, App State's quarterback, Chase Bryce, is on his third team. Uh, you know, and the other two were power five. Marshall's quarterback's on his third team. He started at uh, Utah State, went Texas Tech, and they're, they're running backs from Florida State. You know, that's that's – that's what you do is you go out and you find a couple guys that want playing time and can make an immediate impact, and hopefully it works out, and then you're a much better team than you were a year ago. Yeah, I just think that the mid-tier power five and upper tier, even the mid-tier group of five, yeah, they're, they're starting players who I think would probably be riding the bench, you know, at the upper level, uh, and especially at quarterback. And, and I think that's, that's a big difference. Uh, that we're seeing and it's a good thing right i mean players are getting opportunities to to play you know uh, i'll give uh, uh, bo nix i just said like you talk mm. uh, one of the yeah. themes of this this week was the rise of the pacific northwest right oregon 41 20 over byu great win they 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 snap back from that georgia deal the way georgia's playing uh, you know i don't even know if that was <laughs> who knows man they, they may do that to everybody and but bo nix is their quarterback Coming out of Auburn, he's sitting there saying, "You guys are trying to fire everybody. I'm going to leave. Bang! I'm in a great situation." So these guys can find their thing. Sometimes it's not, you know, the whole thing would be the player quit on the school, but maybe the school quit on the player. And you know, so I just it just seems like everyone's finding their spot, and bang, some people are popping up at some at some unusual times. I don't know if you guys have any thoughts on on either that Washington or the or the Oregon victory. 
Searching for NBA playoff coverage? We've got you. The Old Man and the Three, presented by BMW, gives you an inside look into the world of sports. Hosted by former NBA sharpshooter and Duke legend J.J. Redick and sports writer Tommy Alter, The Old Man and the Three offers unprecedented access to the league. Tommy and J.J. discuss the NBA and interview some of the biggest names in the league, like Devin Booker and Luka Doncic. NBA final season is the perfect time to dive in, and you can listen to The Old Man and the Three wherever you get your podcasts. To hear episodes brought to you by BMW. Push the limits this NBA season with the brand that set the ultimate standard. BMW, the ultimate driving machine. Oh, I, I mean, it was huge for the Pacific Northwest, for the Pac-12. Huge for Oregon and Washington if you're trying to get the attention of, say, the Big Ten. Nothing better than to do that than to pound the hell out of a Big Ten team as Washington did. And then, obviously, Oregon... I, what it what you, it does is like make you wonder exactly how good is Georgia? If Georgia could beat Oregon forty nine to three, and then Oregon could turn around and just beat the snot out of BYU, who had been looked pretty good. Uh, I I think we're looking at a one team tier at the top. So there's that. But no, I th- I think that was that was great for a conference and an area of the country that has kind of been struggling to uh to reestablish its relevance that was that was good it was a looked like a great scene in seattle you know they they had a very enthusiastic crowd there i mean it was it was big time that was that was that was good stuff and you know they always got good crowds at Otson. so i was happy to see it there was an incredible stat from uh i think it was john wilner uh out in california uh that was the first time it says 2013 that two that pac-12 teams got two non-conference wins over top 25 teams in a single day. So in a single day to have two top 25 non-conference wins for the Pac-12 in nine years. So that's, that's, that's incredible. Wow. Yeah. 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 That's a, that's a, uh, that's a big day. All right. I wanted to shift to the other side of this a little bit. Uh, one is Michigan state. And then we'll get to some more big 10 stuff. The way Michigan state looked, they should make them play in the, the big 10 West this year. Because that's just that that sucks out there. <laughs> Big Ten West is terrible. Minnesota has not revealed itself to suck yet, so we'll give them a bye. <laughs> but everybody else has. Um, they're three and zero. Gophers are three and zero. We don't know, but everybody else. How concerned are you when you just get absolutely you just get a beat down like that to Washington? I mean, Mel Tucker had the one big year, and he got the big contract. And he got the big win over Michigan. It's not easy at Michigan State to just snap your fingers and make them a top 15 program. So I think that's it's fair to kind of judge it a little bit on a curve. But this was an ugly, ugly defeat. Uh, in a, and, and they're staring at a, a division, as always, with still Michigan, Ohio State, and Penn State staring back at them. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> hey, it was a nice payday. But you also then, with, with, with astronomical pay raises come increases in expectation as well. And that was a no competition performance against Washington. I mean, that was, again, that was a beat down for a program that theoretically and on paper you should be ahead of. You know, you're the more established coach. You're coming off a successful season. Washington restarting with Kalen DeBoer. uh, And they just absolutely destroyed them there. And now, yeah, you're in an incredibly tough division nobody else in the big 10 east has lost a game yet that doesn't mean you know maryland and Rutgers or and indiana are necessarily good but it also means that 
they're probably not terrible. So Competent. every yeah. yeah, right. Every game in that division is going to be difficult. And then you obviously have Ohio State, you have Michigan, you have Penn State. Penn State, I I think Penn State's badly underrated right now. Yeah. They've got two wins on the road against Power Five opponents. So if you're Michigan State, yeah, I I mean I would be watching that. And they did show a lot of the face crowds. Everybody's looking for that, you know, just grief-stricken, angst-ridden fan in the stands now. So they spent a lot of time painting the crowd. And the Michigan State fans, they supplied. They they looked suitably devastated, shocked, and and glum while that was going on. Did Al Toby get any FaceTime? Did he get any face? I didn't see that. <laughs> I did I, I did not see Al, but uh, it's possible that he was on there. I if, believe he was there. If not, That's I fair. know how he felt. Yeah. Well, let's get to Penn State on the same thing. I, I mean, I, I don't know what to make of Michigan State. That was ugly. And and they're staring they're staring at a, a a potentially tough road. And part of that is I agree with you on is Penn State underrated. Look, Auburn is not great. They're going to fire their coach, but Penn State went on the road into a hyped up SEC environment. They still have very good athletes at Auburn, and they manhandled them. No questions, domination of it, and. They're now staring at a schedule that is very, very likable for Penn State. They've got Central Michigan, Northwestern. Then they are at Michigan. They get Minnesota. We don't know. Then they get Ohio State at home, and then they finish with at Maryland or at Indiana, Maryland at home, at Rutgers, Michigan State. I guess two questions. One is uh, you couldn't draw up a better start to the season, really, for, for Penn State. So what what are they capable of? This is one question. What do you think they're capable of this year, and can they could they win this win this win this league? They got another great running back, right? It seems like they just churn them out at at uh, Penn State, which is funny because we always talk about uh, you know for years now Auburn churning out the great running backs, and and, and this this Nick Singleton from Penn State was uh, was incredible. I mean, he only had he only had ten carries at 124 yards, so he averaged like 12 yards a pop. Had a 50-yarder, I think. Uh, scored a couple touchdowns. It was impressive. And then, you know, the quarterback, you know, Clifford was was good when he needed to be. He was consistent. He didn't make mistakes. And that's what you got to do on the road. And, I mean, it, as I'm saying all this, like, Penn State sounds a lot like Auburn used to be for years. You know, they, they had this, like, consistent <laughs> quarterback who didn't make mistakes. And they had a really good running back and a solid defense. And, I mean, James Franklin, you know, has built that, that program like you would expect you know, a Big Ten program to be built like. And, uh, man, they, they do. They, they seem solid. And it seems like they got, uh, they got a real burst from that opener, right, where it was, it was a toughie against Purdue. And a lot, of, a lot of people probably think Purdue should have won that game and probably outplayed them. But sometimes you need that, right, in a season, especially early on, to, like, survive a game like that to kind of propel you forward. Uh, and, of course, on the other side of this is Auburn is just bad, uh, and, uh, uh, you know, we, we all know where this is headed. I think, I mean, I was, I was super impressed with Penn state and I, I agree like James Frank on those, like, can we actually see Nick Singleton carry the ball more than 10 times? He's had, he's carried 10 carries in each of their three games. <laughs> the kid's a blooming star. Can we yeah. please see him run? You know, I know, you know, they're like, they, nobody wants to give their care, their backs too many carries these days. So that's kind of the way it works, but I would, I would like to see him. more. <laughs> Save him for Ann Arbor. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that's that's true. But uh, 
No, I think, Ross, you're right, that they've kind of got their formula. They've got a, you know, sixth-year, mm. like, 40-year-old quarterback who mm. can make some plays and also not make many bad plays, and he'll occasionally run and shoot, even caught a pass in that game. And then their defense, it's funny, you look at them statistically on defense, it's kind of like, eh, but they, they, they're doing decently well as far as they're keeping the opponents out of the end zone. You know, their, their, their red zone stop rate is pretty good. Uh, their third down rate is pretty good, you know, so they've got the formula. It's kind of like a, a James Franklin, uh, Vanderbilt team where you're kind of wondering how the pieces are all coming together this well, but they are, that's the bottom line. So one of the things this weekend that was particularly interesting is the endings, right? I mean, how many, obviously the app state hail Mary, a whole bunch hat Syracuse is three and oh, we mentioned Kansas three and oh basketball, Bobby Petrito. Almost took down Arkansas. Yeah, didn't happen, but it was scary enough that the the Harley was right was was wobbling. <laughs> I, it just was a wild weekend and all sorts of. I guess the season. I mean, that's why I'm kind of confused on where to go with this. Is like just weird stuffs popping up all over the place. All like over. who had Duke? Who had Duke, Kansas, and Syracuse all undefeated? Plus <laughs> yeah. Indiana and and yeah. Rutgers and Mer- like, like where, yeah. where's the stuff coming from? Yeah, two lanes undefeated too. Two, two the, lanes. The last three non-power five State. teams. Yeah, no Kansas State. Yeah, they beat Kansas State. Yeah, the last three non-power five teams that are unbeaten are Tulane, Coastal Carolina, and James Madison. That's it. I mean, to me, yeah, like the sat the thing that was fun Saturday, mostly during the afternoon, but then into the evening was just yeah these finishes where. Teams just found these ways to screw up. And, you know, you're happy for the teams that win, but oh my God, the cringeworthy stuff the teams were doing trying to hold on to leads. Oh, like yeah. what Troy yeah. did against App State, taking an intentional safety, kicking off from your own 20, squib kicking it, giving them possession within range to throw the Hail Mary. Purdue got seven penalties after taking the lead with like a minute and 11 to play. Seven flags. And then even beyond, on top of that, they still could have survived it, except they played this preposterous defense and just left a guy single covered going deep when you you can give up a field goal, you just can't give up a touchdown. Notre Dame had just an pro- unbelievable game extending <laughs> couple of penalties. Um, what was the other one? Oh, South Alabama, which just let the win get away against UCLA with this ridiculous fake field goal. It's just to me, this oh, is college football, and this brutal. is why it's so much fun, you know? It's because teams, you got young players, you have, let's be honest, probably some overpaid coaches, and you have some refereeing who that probably isn't very good either. But the stuff that happens at the end of games where everybody's losing their minds, it's like, what, what yeah. is happening? <laughs> and the <laughs> special teams. My God, the special oh. teams. I mean, yeah. I, I'm a son of a, a, a longtime high school football coach who's coached coach special teams for the last 25 years. And so every Saturday, my phone is like blowing up with texts from him about some uh, just awful special teams plays. And it just <laughs> seems like they're everywhere, uh, even at the highest levels, like they're everywhere. Uh, and it's not just like kickers. It's like muffing punts or punt block type stuff. Uh, just uh, It's just been a disaster. I don't exactly know how to explain it. It's the post-COVID special teams. Uh Maybe it impacted everything, including that. You're gonna blame it. You're gonna blame it on COVID. I'm blaming. I'm blaming COVID. <laughs> uh, when Clock in doubt, Dan, blame COVID. COVID. When in doubt, blame COVID, Dan. 
trying to do this during a global pandemic, man. <laughs> <That's right. laughs> like, people always mention global pandemic. It's like, I was just trying to get you to deliver the pizza in under half an hour. Like, what the hell's uh, the matter? What's going on in I'm the, glad. the I'm glad uh, positivity rates of Pakistan or something. (laughs) I'm glad Pat mentioned Tulane, though. How about the Green Wave went up to Manhattan and Kansas State had just drubbed Missouri. I mean, beat the tar out of them. And then Tulane goes up there and gets a gets a huge win. Big time for Willie Fritz. There's some stuff going on that like week to week make no sense. No sense. How about how about this one? Wyoming gets trucked. They have half their team transfers. They get trucked by Illinois. And they're now three and one after beating Air Force. Yeah. A lot of people thought I was going to win the Mountain West. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Florida State looks horrible. They win this crazy game against LSU. Everyone, everyone leaves the LSU Florida State game going. Both these teams probably stink. Yep. Florida State's three and oh, and LSU's now two and one. They just beat Mississippi State. Yep. Mm -hmm. A&M shows up and beats Miami, kind of comes off the mat. And then, you know, Marshall beats Notre Dame. They get all this greatest thing ever. And then Bowling Green takes them down. (laughs) That's here's my here's my my transitive property of the week for you here. I am wearing an Eastern Kentucky uh, University shirt for a reason for this podcast, because the EKU Colonels beat Bowling Green, who beat Marshall, who beat Notre Dame, which means EKU needs to be talking to NBC about their own deal right there now. There you go, yeah. Come on. 70 million a year. That's right. Give it to them. Every, every, it's funny. And like Ohio State's like their, their win over Notre Dame, which is this big, huge thing starting to look worse and worse. Yeah. Oh, yeah. That was the, I don't know. Yeah. I don't know what's going on. You mentioned the officiating too, being part of this. I don't know if you guys saw it's kind of making the rounds on the old Twitter, but um, but the offsides called on Cal or Notre Dame's first drive that ended oh, up yeah. oh, they missed a field goal. I think it was on the field goal snap, right on the play, and then yeah, that 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 gave them an automatic first down. And and there's a screenshot of it that I think uh, Pete with the athletic uh, tweeted out. And there's nobody's offsides. No, nobody's even close to offsides. Uh, the Holy so. Ghost was offside. Yeah. The Holy <laughs> <laughs> They they left room in the neutral zone for the Holy Ghost between yeah, they, the they, offense and the defense, and the whole, somehow they still were called for being offside. Yeah, that was unbelievable. Watching watching Marcus Freeman try to win oh. his first game was like watching like when, when occasionally like a baby deer gets caught out on ice. <laughs> like you're just like, oh no, I hope you make oh. it to the end. Like somehow. Oh. I just felt like, so bad. Oh, he and then he makes it. Everyone, so, yeah. like yeah. that's just a brutally like. Oh, this poor oh. guy. He looked so miserable. He really oh, like he, you could see him suffering yeah. at that last drive. You could his his, fa- face. his facial expression was like, "You got to yeah. be kidding me! Come on, time! Come on, time!" I'm he not going to lose he, this. Am I? Yes, he was begging <laughs> yeah. for the triple zeros. <laughs> yeah, and then <laughs> his offensive coordinator. <laughs> Tommy Reese, of course, caught on camera, Oof, just yeah. screaming into the phone, presumably at the quarterback. Oof. Just do your bleeping job. Bleeping job, and yeah. Et cetera, et cetera, yeah. et cetera. That was a bad look. That's a staff that's feeling some pressure. Is there? Is there uh, let's go to this thing, too. I mentioned it earlier. We're a little disorganized. I'm always disorganized, but I'm definitely disorganized this week. When was the last time there was such a disparity between two sides of a, of a division? Like, the Big Ten West... Northwestern lost to Southern Illinois. Mm-hmm. Handily. 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 
Mm-hmm. Iowa did defeat Nevada. They did in the ele- and and like fourteen lightning delays. So we'll give them that. <laughs> Game ended at like two a.m. Eastern or something. I mean, like they they showed you know they just let people wander in later. Some dude came in with his dog. Yeah, there was a, guy, a dog. Yeah. yeah, there was a dog at the stadium. I saw that. Yeah. Guy, I think he was just walking his dog and just was like, what's up? Yeah. What's going on here? The dog <laughs> dog was probably sniffing and gates were open. I mean, there's got to be a lot of good smells in a stadium. Uh, sure. So say, hey, let's walk the dog in. Yeah. Who stays to the end for this? Oh, oh. my God. <laughs> I mean, it's like impossible. I covered one time a Cincinnati Bengal preseason game. I believe Carson Palmer was coming back from a knee injury. So it was like his first preseason start. I mean, just, right, whatever. Not exactly an assignment you're all fired up to do. No. Right to Carson Palmer, how Carson Palmer looks. So I'm down there at Cincinnati. It's a preseason game. Carson Palmer comes out, throws a couple passes, right? Plays a quarter, all right. And he said, just waiting to the end so you can talk to Carson Palmer. And there's a lightning delay. <laughs> and then the NFL refuses to call the game because gambling, I'm sure. And uh, like we're there till three in the morning before they finally bring Carson. I was like, can we just come up now during the lightning delay? <laughs> no Nobody kidding. cares about the result of the game. <laughs> we only care about talking to Carson Palmer. Can we get a statement, you, anything? You so did a bad. 3 a.m. press conference after It wasn't 3 a.m., but it okay. felt like it. <laughs> yeah. It was late. He was sitting there not happy. Yeah, I bet. He was like, I kind of want to go home. But anyway. <laughs> Uh, yeah, Iowa's train wreck, Illinois, uh, Purdue loses to Syracuse. You know, what happened in Nebraska shouldn't be mentioned. Wisconsin, <laughs> I guess, uh, they won. Well, Wisconsin played, they played New Mexico State. That's a, you know, well, by it, this standard, <laughs> uh, they be, the Big Ten West team should be like, no, do not get rid of the divisions because we're never being heard from again. Right. <laughs> exactly. I mean, that's a stinkola division. That is really not good. Uh, I I am nominating Nebraska as the second worst Power Five team in the country. Only Colorado is worse. Mm. Uh, Colorado, I mean, Colorado is, next week we'll be talking about Darrell getting fired. I think maybe Colorado AD Rick George just yeah. actually came out with a statement while we were taping, yeah. saying we're basically saying we're not firing him yet. So. Yeah, and please keep supporting our student athletes in our athletic yeah. department. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> good luck. Uh huh. All right, total mess out there. All right, look, we uh, we don't like to wait to the end of the year to hand out the Heisman. Uh, we're impatient people, so we do it on a on a weekly basis. And so let's do this small sample Heisman. Pat, who do you want to win the Heisman Trophy this week? You know what? I, I'm going to go with Syracuse quarterback Garrett Schrader, transfer from Mississippi State. Played, started his career there, was a running quarterback almost exclusively, right, uh, early on and as mm-hmm. and with Joe Moorhead. Mm-hmm. And uh, came into Syracuse. He played last year, but the team wasn't very good. He wasn't very good. This year he's been pretty good. And he did lead a highly improbable, penalty-aided, comeback miracle victory over Purdue. Uh, he... Ran for 83 yards. He threw for 181. His passer rating for the season so far is 177.8. It's very good. Uh, And he threw the bomb for the touchdown to win the game with like 14 seconds left or seven or something like that. I don't remember. But uh, so Garrett Schrader, another 
transfer QB who has found a nice spot and has Syracuse 3-0, and which I don't think a lot of people expected. Uh, and the Orange are feeling pretty good about themselves. Ross, who's, who's the Heisman Trophy? Yeah, I throw a bone here to the Kansas Jayhawks. Jalen Daniels, quarterback from Kansas, just, uh, man, lightening up in the air and on his feet. 123 rushing yards against Houston, 158 through the air, three touchdowns passing, two more rushing, uh, accounted for almost 300 yards of, of Kansas's offense, and uh, and has the Jayhawks, as as we talked about, 3-0 and uh, for the first time since, I think, 2009, and a big one against Duke coming up. But Jalen Daniels, junior, uh, originally from California, impressive, and, and really has had Pretty impressive year going back uh, against West Virginia and and uh, their opener against Tennessee Tech. He's he's got seven touchdowns and one pick on the season, man. So he's rolling. How about that, Jayhawks? How about that? Not bad. Rock Jayhawk shop. bandwagon is this is this is amazing. <laughs> Absolutely amazing. Uh, it doesn't seem possible. All right, I uh, I'm going to give an first. I'm going to give an honorable mention to uh, Michigan running back Blake Corum, who managed to set the school record with five rushing touchdowns, and he only had 12 carries. Not bad. Now, he was playing UConn. Uh, so yeah, the Michigan uh, schedule is a uh, <laughs> is an issue. God, still, is when you can score Lord. five touchdowns on 12 carries, yeah. uh, you, no, know, you know, even against UConn. Yeah. They should spend more time trying to find out who killed Tupac Unless <laughs> on uh, whether uh, they're practicing football, they clearly are not practicing football. No, at not enough. But I'm going to give it to Dylan Gabriel: 230 yards, two touchdowns. Mm. Not, uh, not, a, not a, not a tough opponent, in Nebraska either. Uh, but you know, Nebraska scored, and then like the crowd was going crazy, and then the Sooners just with Gabriel behind it. Uh, 35 straight points before half, 49 straight overall in the game. Uh, they had 312 rushing yards. Oklahoma looks good. And they get Kansas State next week at home. Uh, schedule gets real interesting, obviously, after that. You got TCU. You got the, the uh, Red River. You know, everyone's kind of, everyone's talking USC, but uh, with where Lincoln Riley's new team, but his old program's looking pretty good too under Brent Venable. So give a little nod to Oklahoma. All right, we said a lot of mean things on this podcast. Can we say something nice? Who's ready to say something nice on this podcast? I can go. I, uh, All right. I, uh, th- th- this is a pretty easy one and, and certainly no reason to even, uh, yeah, to, to, to even be fake nice. This is legitimately nice here. Terrible, you know, fate that has befallen Brian Brissy's family, the star defensive tackle at Clemson from Maryland. His his 15-year-old uh, sister, Ella, uh, uh, passed away from brain cancer. Terrible. I mean, you know, it's just heartbreaking thing. Mm. But uh, they were playing. Clemson was playing Louisiana Tech this week. And the Louisiana Tech team took the time to have every player handwrite a letter to Brian Brissy and to his family, mm. offering support and condolences. And we have seen incredible mercenary behavior in college sports. We have seen everything just be, hey, we got to take care of ourselves. We got to go get ours. That's all that matters. This is the opposite of that. This is thinking outside of yourself and, and thinking of a competitor. 
And Louisiana Tech did what it was supposed to do. They went in, and they lost. They got their payday against Clemson, which is a better team. But uh, they left a great, great mark there. Dabo Swinney had some good words to say about him afterwards. He said, I don't know Sonny Cumbie, the coach, but he's forever got a new fan in me. Class guy, class act. It just makes my heart smile in this competitive world we're in that there's people out there like Sonny Cumbie and that Louisiana Tech crowd. Class group. I agree. Great job, Louisiana Tech. Good job. Ross, anything nicer than that? I doubt it. No, oh, no. I think uh, Pat's going to one up yeah. us all with the uh, the nicest yeah. today. Kinda, now, now we just seem like jerks because we don't want to be that nice. <laughs> hey, last week I missed a pod, uh, and I think on that pod you guys discussed the Texas A and M Aggie yell midnight yell practice thing, uh, whatever they weird thing they do there in their <laughs> cultish kind of environment. Uh, <laughs> and so we gave them, I know you guys gave them a lot of, uh, you know, a lot of, uh, but uh, I'm here to, to say something nice actually about the Aggies bouncing back after App State and in, in putting together a, a really impressive uh, per- defensive performance. I'll say Jimbo still has a ways to go with the old offense, uh, but an impressive uh, defensive performance. Kevin's, uh, they, they really, they did a great job in, in, you know, I think Miami was in the red zone like four times and, you know, had to settle for field goals. So give it up for the Aggies who, and also their fans, you know, again, you know, we cropped on them with the, with the yell stuff. And I, I agree. It's a weird thing. Very weird, weird place. But uh, man, did they pack it in for that game? They lost to App State and that stadium was like, you know, physically rocking, I heard. And it was just wall to wall people. Um, and obviously it, I'm sure it had an effect. Um, so the Aggies. Something nice for the Aggies. There you go. That's a, they even had to suspend a couple of players right before the game, yeah. too. I mean, that, there, there was a lot of stuff mm-hmm. going on down there. But it's always good to have Miami come into a big game and not perform. <laughs> Oops, I'm sorry. We're, sir, we're in the say something nice portion. My can't bad. Can't help yourself. My bad. Nope. <sighs> can't help myself. I'm going to say something nice about Cock Commander. <laughs> <laughs> good. Good. Cock Commander. That should be the name of this uh, live, live rooster. I, I, I don't understand the chicken. <laughs> there's a chicken. There's a hen. <laughs> yeah. There's a rooster, and then there's a cock. What do it, I don't. How many types? Of, I don't understand it all. Anyway, <laughs> you need a uh, a poultry science <laughs> class, Dan. I yeah right. <laughs> I don't understand. Anyway, so I'm going to get it all wrong. All you farmers out there, bear with me. (laughs) All I know is this. South Carolina had their chance. They had their chance. They they could have just renamed the the cockfighting rooster. They could have left his little humane uh, glove on the top. (laughs) (laughs) They could have named him Cock Commander like everyone wanted to including uh, Spencer Rattler, their quarterback. And they could have just changed the whole trajectory of the program. It was a new day was offered. Yeah. Instead, they went with the terrible, the general. (laughs) (laughs) Then realizing that that was a mistake, they still did not go with cock commander, which everyone wanted. They went back to Sir Big Spur, which is a good name. But it's also a name of a failed regime. 
decades of failure. <laughs> and it doesn't really matter because the better thing was there. Yeah. Cock Commander is the name. And once you chose not to go with that, you have cursed your program. And look what happened this weekend. <laughs> Boy, did they get 48 trust. to 7. 48 to 7. In a game that if was your not name, that Cock close. Commander, that doesn't happen. <laughs> Cock Commander stands up and fights better than that, right? Cock Commander, Georgia, has got a little more respect for you. Instead, they're like, you don't even know what the name of your mascot is. <laughs> and we're angry because you're being mean to these birds with the little, because the, they, they've now chopped the thing off again. They did? Yeah, I think the thing is chopped off. This is according to a Ryan McGee exhaustive report, by the way. Oh, Great work on ESPN.com. Oh, I missed the story. I got to read it. So now you're 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 stuck in this middle lane. No one knows who you got a chicken or a hen or a rooster or whatever this <laughs> is. And you're trying to pretend that you, you you don't make tons of money off the word cock and you're you're you're, you're too you're too uppity for it. Even though everyone's in on the joke. You've been in on the joke for all these years. Now you're getting all out yeah. oh, no, no. Uh, Yeah. We'll Sir sell Big the hats, but, but yeah, we can't have Was that uh, okay, okay, I call <laughs> You're you're cursed. You're cursed. It's over. You got a little bit of taste today. <laughs> a little taste on Saturday. I don't think it's because Georgia has 37 future first round no, picks. Not at all. I don't think that's <laughs> nothing it. to do with it. No, I don't think I had anything to do with it. I think this is a one possession game. If it's the cock commanders, <laughs> you, the cock commander is worth a 35 point swing. Basically. <laughs> Let me put it this way. How's it going without it? How's it going without it? Fair. Fair, fair point. Fair point. You're on my list, South Carolina, and (laughs) you shouldn't be. Just embrace who you are. That's right. And you ain't Sir Big Spur. That's over. (laughs) Team Cock Commander. (laughs) All right. That's the pod. We'll be back Tuesday. We have a good show planned Tuesday. I actually have a subject planned for this one. Do you really? All right. I know. Wow. I had none planned for this one, as you can tell by the pace of the show. <laughs> so make sure you listen on Tuesday. It'll be hey, a good our show. picks were better too. Everybody, keep riding with us, man. Four and two. I went four and two. I was five and one, brother. Bo Nix. I, I. Why did I ever doubt you, Bo? Why did you? I don't know. BYU, and I should have seen that one coming. Anyway, good picks. Alabama did cover. I was getting mocked. That covered the 49 mocked five. on Twitter that Alabama wasn't going to cover 49 and a half. <laughs> I got to say, I was rooting for, for just that late, lame Monroe touchdown. But alas. <laughs> alas. Nah, never. We had it in the back. All right. Talk to you Tuesday. Appreciate y'all listening. Look around. You can find cars like these on Auto Trader. New cars, used cars, electric cars, maybe even flying cars. Okay, no flying cars, but as soon as they get invented, they'll be on Auto Trader. Just you wait. Auto Trader.